Greetings from somewhere south of London. I'm your hostess, Fiorella Nash, sometimes known by my nom de plume, Fiorella de Maria. I'm a writer of history, mystery and crime fiction, but most importantly, I am an incorrigible bibliophile. I'm back all the way from Misty Albion, bringing you the all-new Fiorella Files, in which I will discuss books classic and contemporary, or just books I've read and to which I've taken a bit of a fancy. There will be yet more books that you should read, just might enjoy reading and really don't want to touch with the proverbial 11-foot barge pole. I can't promise it'll be once a month, but every so often I do hope to coax my children into appearing on my special edition children's episode in which we will discuss books for younger readers. Or perhaps I'll just get them to slip into the show with a book every so often. I have a fascinating book to begin this episode today. Now, we all know Stephen Hawking. He's a household name, probably one of the most famous and most decorated scientists, not just of his generation, but of his century. He's even appeared on sitcoms like The Big Bang Theory. He is that famous. Everybody knows him, not just as a genius, but as a man who overcame the terrible burden of motor neurone disease to have a glittering career in science. Diagnosed with motor neurone disease when he was only in his 20s, he was not expected to live more than a couple of years. When he got married, I think the prognosis was about 18 months. And yet he lived a very long and full life and showed that disability does not have the last word. In an age where euthanasia advocates suggest that people with disability are better off dead, when abortion advocates are suggesting that babies with disabilities shouldn't even be allowed to be born, Stephen Hawking defied the naysayers. He defied the culture of death without perhaps even knowing it. But of course, there is a whole backstory to a man like that. And that is the story of his wife, the woman who stood by him for 25 years, who nursed him, cared for him, made sure he got to all those international conferences attended to his every need, gave up her own possible academic career to serve his, to help him further his career, who raised three children at the same time as looking after a severely disabled man and who was repaid for all those years of service and self-sacrifice by her husband walking out on her and going off and marrying his nurse. This book is Jane Hawking's story. Now, I'll put in a little disclaimer here and say I know Jane Hawking, or as I knew her, Jane Hellier Jones, because when she remarried, she married the presenter of Magdalen College, Cambridge, Jonathan Hellier Jones, who conducted Magdalen College Choir and my husband before we were married, was a chorister in that choir. That's how I know Jane Hellier-Jones. And she is a 
wonderful person. I haven't sadly been in touch with her for years because we left Cambridge now, oh gosh, about 12 years ago. But I'd like to say she is a wonderful person. She's an incredibly likeable woman. And I don't know how many conversations I'd had with her before I realised her claim to fame was that she had been married to Stephen Hawking. She's a lovely woman and indeed Jonathan's a wonderful person as well. And I felt very privileged to get to know them just a little bit through the Magdalen Choir. So when I read this book, I did so with just a little bit of trepidation because there's something a little bit odd, frankly, about reading a memoir by someone you've spoken to and got to know a little bit. And I found it quite unnerving because, in fact, the, the memoir was all about the many, many years of her life long before I ever met her. Just right at the end of the book, she mentions the fact that Jonathan was director of music at Magdalen College and that was the only the only reference. But during the, the course of the book, she does refer at times to other people I knew, like Dr Chester White, who was at one point her doctor or the family doctor. And I knew him as the prelector of Darwin College, which is where I did my master's degree. And I remember him as an incredibly lovable eccentric, the absolute classic eccentric English academic. Really good man. I remember his nerves on the morning of my graduation because there's a whole ceremony in Cambridge. It's all about pomp and circumstance. There's a lot of ceremony, everything. Just signing your name in the matriculation book when you first start your degree is a huge ceremony. And he was actually quite nervous because he had to stand before the president and 